Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. You're here because you're a high-achieving woman that wants it all. The success, wealth, time freedom, and genuine joy in your life. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to tell you, you can. You can have it all. But what is true wealth? It's not just money and achievements because success without happiness and fulfillment isn't success at all. Here, we're going to have conversations about creating a beautiful life alongside the success that you're striving for. If you want to create long-lasting success that's fully in alignment with the life you desire to live by working less, making more, and stepping into the version of yourself you've always wanted to be, then you're in the right place. Let's roll into today's episode. Hello, gorgeous ladies. Welcome back to the show. It is that time again already for another behind-the-scenes real-life chat, girl chat, mom chat, whatever you want to call it. And I have a hodgepodge of topics to talk about today. So we're going to dive right in. This is going to be fun. We're going to go a little bit all over the place. And hopefully we get through everything this time. But if not, we will continue this discussion in the next behind-the-scenes real-life chat. So I wanted to start out with something very lighthearted and funny, which is continuing on with funny things that my kids say. We were eating dinner outside the other night. My in-laws were over. It was Sunday night. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, my daughter was in... A mood like a funny mood she was being hysterical she is very dramatic very animated we always talk about how she would be a fantastic actress and so she was on a roll and out of the blue I don't even know how we got on this topic but she said that she was gonna have a baby when she was 15 oh my god I think my heart stopped She said she was going to have a baby when she's 15, and she's going to have 10 kids. (laughs) I was like, my husband and I looked at each other, and we were like, let's hope not. Like, come on, Abe. Like, let's hope not. Let's not have a baby when we're 15. And 10 kids, that's a lot of kids, you know? It's a lot of kids. So say a prayer for me, and let's hope that my daughter does not have a baby at 15, and that she does not have 10 kids because I don't think that I could handle 10 grandkids. So that is moving on to our next topic, which is that I believe you have to have a specific type of personality to want to have more than three children. I don't even have three, I have two. But this last week, My dad's side of the family was up staying at my parents' house near where I live. So this has been a tradition going back to when my grandma was little. That's how we ended up, my parents ended up buying a place where I live. It's how I ended up meeting my husband. Every summer for one week, my dad's family would come up here to northern Wisconsin and rent a cabin. For a week. And so this tradition has continued. And last week was the week where all of his siblings come and my cousins and now my some of my cousins' kids and my sister and her kids. And there were at one point 27 people 
that were up here. And most of them stay at my parents' house. So last week, Tuesday, I said, my sister asked me if I would watch her kids so she could play 18 holes of golf. So I had five kids that I was in charge of and her kids and my kids, they 100% act like siblings. And there is a difference between kids who act like siblings and kids who act like friends. And they act like siblings and they fight like siblings and they're all around the same age. So it's eight, six, six, five, four and a half. So we have five kids between the age of four and a half and eight. And so I'm watching them and, you know, they can entertain themselves, but they do not go long without getting into some sort of argument, fight, someone needs to step in, I need to referee. And so I had them from eight in the morning until almost 3 p.m. And you guys, I am not made to have that many kids. I am so glad that I stopped at two kids because let me tell you, when you have five kids and they're actually where my cousin's two two girls were with us too. So there were seven total, but she was with me helping with her two kids. There is never a quiet moment, ever. It is like overstimulation galore. So if you are listening to this and you have four kids or five kids or six kids, bless your heart. Like you have, you have to have a certain kind of personality. I myself do not have the patience for that many kids and I feel very, very overstimulated. I do not like that much noise. I have learned that I like my quiet time. I call myself an introverted extrovert. So I I'm more introverted. My profile in human design is a 1-3. We're very individualistic people. 1-3 profiles are. We do a lot of things on our own. My husband is very introverted. So I enjoy the quiet. I enjoy being alone. I don't like a lot of noise all the time. Like I can deal with it for a little while, but Having that many kids for that long, I was like, I am not made for this. I am throwing my hands up. I am not made for this. I was very grumpy by the end. And I think it's it's important that we know these things about ourselves, right? Because if I were to have more children, I don't think I would be a happy person. I think I would be very overwhelmed based on how I like to live my life. I would be very overwhelmed and there would not be a lot of peace and quiet. There would be constant chaos and I just don't do well with that. So if you haven't had kids yet and you're listening to this or you've had one and you're thinking about a second or you've had two and you're thinking about a third, I would really consider like how do I like my life to be? Like how do I thrive. And for me, I thrive when I have time to myself, when I have quiet time, when I have moments of peace, when it there's not constant noise, when someone doesn't always need me. And so two kids for me is perfect. I think three would be too much, which is why we stopped. 
and definitely not made to have four or five or six. So I just wanted to share that because I had this moment where where I legit thought to myself, I am not made for this. Like there are people, I know moms who are made for this. They thrive with that many kids and I am not one of those moms. But this is something, again, that you definitely want to think about ahead of time. And I know sometimes there's oopses, but I I would really like sit down and do some soul searching on what you can handle, like what you are capable of doing and still feeling like you are thriving. And And be honest with yourself because you get to design your life, especially when it comes to having kids for the most part. I know that there are women who struggle very, very much with having children. But for the most part, most of us get to decide how many kids we want. And so that is a decision that I would definitely do some soul searching on. I would do some inner reflection and figure out, you know, think about your vision. So tie this back to vision. Think about your vision and think about, you know, what do I want my life to look like in five years or in 10 years? What do I want my life to look like in one year? What's it going to be like to have a certain number of children under a certain age or you know, once we get into activities and kids are in activities and they're in different activities and they're running, you're running all over the place. You know, I think sometimes these are things we don't think about ahead of time because we just don't vision enough. We don't look ahead and plan and think about what it is that we truly desire. And then we get ourselves into these situations where we're really, really overwhelmed and we don't feel like we're thriving and we don't feel like we have any time for ourselves. And it's important, I think, as women, as moms, that we do have time for ourselves, that we are able to prioritize self-care and make the things that bring us passion and joy outside of motherhood a priority. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit, but that actually perfectly leads us into the next topic, which I wrote down, and that is priorities to create your dream life. So again, I I think we get so caught up in the day-to-day, especially nowadays with how busy everyone is, that it's very easy to forget about visioning. It's very easy to forget about thinking about where it is that you want to go, what you ultimately want your life to look like, and then what steps you need to take or not take in order to get yourself there. I see women overextending themselves so much and losing sight of their priorities just because they want to do everything. And the truth is, is that you can't do everything. It's impossible. You can't do everything. And so I think it's really important that we sit down and think about what are my main priorities and what does it look like to honor those priorities. So I think this is best illustrated through an example. So my main priorities are 
spending time with my husband and spending time with my kids. Like my main priority in life right now is raising my children. Everything comes second to that. And I want to make sure that I have quality time with my kids and with my husband because I know I need to prioritize my relationship too. And prioritizing your relationship can fall by the wayside as your kids start to grow and you get into all of these activities. If you start saying yes to too many things, all of the sudden, like you never see your significant other. And I firmly believe that's how relationships start to deteriorate is when we don't get to spend quality time with our significant other. So I know that quality time with my significant other is a huge priority. It's a top priority of mine. And then quality time with my children is a top priority of mine. And now that they're both in school full time, the amount of time that I get to spend with them is much less than before they were in school. So I'm always keeping that in mind when I'm thinking about additional things that I want to add on to my plate. So I would not consider work at this point one of those things because I can work while they're at school. So the first thing I ask myself when an opportunity arises that I'm thinking about saying yes to is, can I do that while they're at school? Can I add that into my work day? And if the answer is yes and I want to do it, great. Let's do it. But what I found is there are quite a few things that I would like to do that end up falling outside of those hours. And then I have to ask myself, if I committed to this, would that take away time for the things that are my biggest priority? And a lot of times the answer is yes. And so I was thinking about uh, volunteering to coach gymnastics. I've also thought about getting more involved in some of my kids' sports, but I have really held off because I have decided that I first want to see what they are going to stick with. Because whatever they decide to stick with, I will get involved in because they're going to be doing it. So my involvement is still prioritizing them because they're doing the thing. What I don't want to do is start volunteering for things that would take away from my quality time with them, knowing that I don't have that much quality time with them. So a perfect example of this is gymnastics. I grew up doing gymnastics. It was my sport. I did it for 14 years. I was very, very good at it. And I have thought about helping to coach gymnastics here in our hometown. But the thing that has held me back is my daughter only does gymnastics one day a week for like 45 minutes. And I could help with her age group, but I don't really want to start coaching and then getting pulled away from my kids because this is all after school. So I'm getting pulled away 
from my kids and their activities if they're not doing it. My son doesn't do gymnastics. I don't know how long my daughter will do gymnastics, if it's going to be one of her sports or not. But I don't want to then be coaching something that they're not involved in because then they have the activities they're involved in and then I'm coaching something else and then we have less quality time together, right? So I've decided that I'm going to wait until I see what they really decide to commit to. And then once I see what they really decide to commit to, then I'm going to get more involved with that thing. And as they get older and they don't want to spend as much time with me, I'm sure I will take on more things to do because they're just, you know, mom's not going to be as cool and they're not going to want to hang out with me all the time. But while they are young, I think it's such a huge priority as a mom, and this is just a belief of mine, but I believe that when our kids are young, it has to be a priority to raise them and to spend quality time with them and help them to grow into the you know, young people and adults that they're going to be in the best way that we can. But again, that all comes back to visioning, like looking ahead, thinking about what your priorities are, what you want your life to look like, and then setting some really firm boundaries around that. That's where I see women really struggle is as women, we have a hard time saying no, we have a hard time setting boundaries, we have a hard time sticking to those boundaries. And so I think setting those boundaries around those priorities is something that is so, so, so important. So visioning, knowing what your priorities are, acting in alignment with those priorities and creating boundaries. There's your four-step process (laughs) from me. So let's completely switch things up. We'll get back to a couple of other mom topics, but I want to talk about Meghan and Harry, the Duke and Duchess, are they still considered the Duke and Duchess of Sussex? I'm not sure. But I finally watched, I caved. I caved and I watched the Netflix series that they created. I held off this long. I have to say that prior to watching this, I was not a fan of them, which is why I held off so long on watching this and I can say after watching it I don't know that I'm a fan but my undefined Ajna can see their side like I can see where they're coming from and I know there's two sides to every story and we never hear the other side because they the royals are very much about never responding to anything or commenting on anything so there's always two sides to a story and the truth lies somewhere in between I believe that but so with only seeing their side I can say I did find it very fascinating what transpired like how everything happened and I can I kind of believe them. Like I kind of believe, not I kind of, I do believe when I really sat down and thought about it, I do believe what they're saying. And I 
can't even imagine how hard it would be to go through something like that, right? To have such horrible things said about you everywhere for so long and to feel like you have no control over it. And if those things were false and then to lose your freedom, to lose your ability to just have a normal life, like I, I empathize. I do empathize with them. I empathized with Megan and her whole situation. I tried to put myself in her shoes and think about how I would feel. And I I mean, it would be the hardest thing that I would have ever had to do. It would be terrible. I mean, the way that she was treated would be horrible. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And to think it's all about creating some sort of image, that's what I kept coming back to. Like, Here's what I think. Here's what my takeaway was. My takeaway was there's really no point to the royal family. Like I don't get the point of the royal family. And maybe if you're listening to this and you live in the UK, you can DM me on social media and let me know what the point of the royal family is these days. But my whole take on it was there's really no purpose to the royal family. They don't rule in any way. But... So they have to keep themselves relevant somehow. And the way they keep themselves relevant is by staying in the public eye. And the the couple that's going to become king and queen has to be popular, right? Like if they're not popular because the, um, the public doesn't like them, Like if they lose their popularity and there's really like no purpose to the royal family, then I could see it like dying away, right? Like if you, if they lose the public's interest and the public doesn't like them anymore, the public's the one who, ones who fund, like the UK public funds the royal family for the most part. That was what I took away from this as to how this works, is like they fund the royal family. So if the public decides like they're not actually doing anything and there's no purpose to them and we don't like them, then things could change, right? Like laws could be passed and they would, I don't know, I don't know what would happen, but I can see how they have to remain in the public's favor and they have to remain in the public eye because like that's their only purpose really and so you know Megan and Harry were so 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 popular when they were dating when they got engaged when they got married like there was so much amazing press about them and there was a lot of press about how they were becoming more popular than William and Kate. And I think that that is what created the whole like downfall is the fact that like there was a lot of fear. Like there's a lot of, there's a big fear mentality of like, what if they're more popular than the couple that's supposed to be king and queen? Then what happens? Right? Like the couple that's supposed to be king and queen has to be the most popular. They have to be the most loved. They have to be the most liked. And so then they created all of these stories because it sounds like the communications team for the palace is like in cahoots with the 
British press and like everything's so intertwined. It was very fascinating. It was very, very fascinating to me, but it sounded like they had to start like getting people not to like them at the expense of like their lives. And so I just, again, I found it all very, very fascinating. And my undefined Ajna can completely see their side. And I think it gave you a glimpse into how the royal family works. And again, I really don't understand the purpose of the royal family at this point. Um, But I felt for them. I did. And I think they're probably better off at this point with all the things they did. One thing that does bother me about them is that I feel like they keep just, I feel like Meghan and Harry have to keep this in the public eye because that's how they make money. Like they're making money off of all of this. I don't know what else they do to make money. So that part to me is annoying about them. And like I said, I don't know that I like them still, but I feel like I better understand what happened, at least from their point of view. And I can empathize with them. And it was just all, a lot of it is just so based. And it sounds like a lot of like what the royal family does is just so based in fear and lack. It's like a lot of things are done out of fear, out of a fear, again, of like losing popularity, of someone being more popular than someone else. Like that's what it sounded like drove everything. And it's just, it's so detrimental. Like it, it is so detrimental. It shows a lack of confidence in certain people. And I'm always like, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> like, Why can't everybody win? Why can't everybody love everybody? You know? So if you haven't watched that, I would actually recommend if you if you have any sort of interest, I would actually recommend it. Even if you don't like them, there were parts where I was annoyed 100%. But overall, I found it to be very enlightening. I found it to give me a better understanding of what happened. And again, just I thought it was all very fascinating. And it does give you a glimpse into how the royal family operates, what's going on, and you're going to notice a lot of base in fear and lack. And everything is kind of derived from that. And I think, again, just reiterating, but I think it all goes back to the fact that there's really no purpose to the royal family. Like, they should just, they have to stay popular among the public because the public funds them. And so if they lose popularity or people become disinterested, then there's really like, there's no point to them because they don't really do anything. The only thing they do is like highlight charities. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's all they do. So anyway... I I enjoyed watching their Netflix series, and I don't think that I'll read Harry's book, but I won't say that I never will. Maybe I will. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a fascinating follow-up to watching the series. Now that I said it, I feel like I kind of need to read it. (laughs) Okay, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I'll buy it, and I'll read the book, and I'll let you guys know what I thought about the book. But again, I would recommend watching it. I think it's very, it's fascinating. It's enlightening. It gives you a glimpse into how things 
work. And it's just, it's all very interesting. It's time to let you guys in on a special summer offer, one-on-one human design chart readings. A human design chart reading is going to help you understand how you're ideally meant to operate in life and business, why you are the way you are, what your natural gifts and strengths are, and where you have taken on conditioning and are operating in a way that is out of alignment with your design, creating resistance and struggle so that you can begin operating in a way that's in alignment, which is going to help you create more success, more abundance, and more joy with much more ease. You're going to walk away with a much deeper understanding of yourself and your unique energetic roadmap. For more details and to book your human design chart reading, all you have to do is scroll down to the show notes and click the link so that we can get you operating in alignment with your unique human design. Okay, completely switching things up, but I want to share this super exciting news. Well, two super exciting things before we wrap this up, going back into motherhood and entrepreneurship. The first is that I can officially announce that I was selected to be a peer mentor for the Manifestation Babe Academy for the current round that just started. So by the time this airs, the round will have closed. Like you can't join this round anymore. But this was really, really exciting for me because when I joined MBA, so I did MBA last year. I started in November and it's a six-month program. And I went into it, if you aren't familiar with it, it's Catherine Zinkina, who is the CEO and founder of Manifestation Babe. It's her like main program. It's called the Manifestation Babe Academy. And it is very, very, very intricate. Like it's a six month program. There's something like 14 different modules. There's workbooks, like again, the one three profile in me. I'm very studious. I love learning. I'm a manifesting generator, which means I love learning about a lot of different things. Like I just love learning and I love studying. I always did well in school. So the one three in me thrived in this program because it very much is more like school. Like you watch the modules and then you have homework and You can't move on to the next module until you complete the homework, and the homework is really like your implementation. But anyway, so I had known about MBA for a few years, and I always knew I wanted to do it. I just was waiting for the right timing. And last October, when she opened the doors to it again, I knew it was the right timing for me, just with where I was, what I was going through, and so I pulled the trigger on it. And as soon as I found out about the peer mentors, something dinged in me. And I was like, ooh, that's something that I would love doing. I really want to do that. And I hadn't even gone through the program yet. But I went through the entire program. It was so transformational for me in all the ways that I never knew I needed it to be. And so when they put out the application for peer mentors for this round. So there's only 10 peer mentors. I have no no idea how many people apply to this, but they put out the 
uh, application for the peer mentor for this round, I was like, oh my gosh, this is something that I have wanted to do for like nine months now. And I just knew, like this is manifestation at its finest. I just knew that I would get selected. I didn't know why I would get selected. I didn't know how I would get selected, but I knew. And so I submitted the application and I officially got selected to be a peer mentor. So what I get to do is for this round of students that's going through the Manifestation Babe Academy, I get to help support them on their journey over the next six months. I get to answer questions for them, give them a advice, give them guidance, help them work through the program, hold Zoom calls for accountability. And I'm just so excited to do something like this at this point in my life. Because I've told you guys before that I, both of my kids are going to be in school full-time this year. And I was not expecting Avery to be in school all five days because it was it used to be that 4K was only four days a week. And so it was something, it's something that I've really been thinking a lot about. You know, this is an, a new phase. For the last six years, my life has completely revolved around my children. And my children have been with me the majority of the time. And now we're leaving that phase. And we're stepping into a completely new phase of them being at school full time and me having time during the day, more time than I've ever had. And so I started thinking about like, how do I want to fill my time? Like, what do I want to do? And one thing I wanted to do was get more involved with something. Like I wanted to be a part of a bigger community. I love entrepreneurship, but I've been a solopreneur for a very long time and it can get really lonely. And so I was like, you know what? I want to do something where I'm I'm doing something for someone else. Like I'm helping someone else with their business in in some way. And this has been like the perfect thing that has fallen into my lap. So number 1, the program is absolutely incredible. If you have heard about it and wondered about it, I would be happy to answer any questions about it so that you can jump in on one of the future rounds of it. She usually opens up the doors to it twice a year. So uh, there won't be any more this year, I don't believe. But um, I absolutely love the program. I'm so excited to get to know these women that are participating. There's usually hundreds. I'm so excited to get to know the other peer mentors better. I'm just so excited to step into this new role and support these women. It feels so much in alignment with what I am so passionate about, which is helping women create their dream lives. And MBA is where I found my love for human design. And so, yay, yes, I am officially an MBA peer mentor. I'm one of 10. And the new students are starting the program officially on Monday, August 14th. And I think this is airing on August 15th. So they have started and I'm diving in and I just can't wait to see kind of what transpires from this. And that leads me to the other thing that I have committed to, and then we'll talk about this other topic, but the other thing that I have committed to, which is I am going to train for a triathlon. And the reason I can say I committed to that is because I went out and bought a road bike, you guys. <laughs> so on the last 
behind the scenes episode, I talked about how I'm, I was looking for a new challenge and I was really considering um, training for a triathlon. I'm giving myself a year so I don't feel like too pressured or too overwhelmed by it. I've got a lot of work to do, but I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this and I need to get a bike. I do not have a bike or I did not have a bike. And so my birthday is coming up. My birthday is on August 23rd. I turned 38. It's the beginning of my Uranus opposition. I'm approaching 40. And so why not? Why not? I have all this extra time now to train. So I am training for a triathlon and for my birthday present to myself, I bought myself a road bike. Well, I actually told my husband that that could be my birthday present because road bikes are not cheap, you guys. Well, first of all, did you know that like top of the line triathlon bikes or road bikes are like $15,000? Holy smokes. That is a good amount of money for a bike. So I went into our local bike shop, which is a Trek bike shop. Trek is a brand of bikes. And I was clueless. And I just walked in. And thankfully, the gentleman that was in the store, shout out to Rick. He is amazing. He has been a cyclist for like 30-some years. And little old me, I'm like, I know nothing about bikes, but I want to get into triathlon and I need a bike. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to spend $15,000. I don't want to spend anywhere near that on a bike, but I want a good bike. And so he hooked me up with this beautiful road bike. I shared a photo of it on Instagram. I'm sure I'll share another one. And today, actually, right before I recorded this episode, I took the bike out for its very first ride. And I got clip-in shoes. I got all the things. I got the clip-in shoes. I got helmet, water bottle, but there are more things I need. I need triathlete, triathlon bars, because when you do a triathlon, you have to ride the bike a certain way. Like your arms have to be a certain in a certain position. So I still need to get those. I need to get like a cell phone holder. I need to get like an odometer or something like that to track miles. Um, I should probably should get some padded bike shorts, <laughs> but we are making progress. I have enough things that I can ride the bike and I took the bike out this morning and I did 12.7 miles in 50 minutes. So I was averaging like 15 miles per hour. There aren't a lot of hills around where we live, but I really enjoyed it. And I was like, I feel like this is something I'm really going to enjoy. And I love that it does not hurt your joints. Like one of the reasons triathlon entices me is because the majority of the time you're either swimming or on the bike. And so that's not a lot of pounding on your joints. And I'm getting older and I'm becoming very conscious about the pounding on my joints because I want to be able to do things for a long time. And I did gymnastics for 14 years and I've run half marathons and a marathon. So, you know, I've pounded on my joints a lot. And I don't, I don't want to wear my joints out. So I am officially committing to doing a triathlon. I think I'm going to start with the Olympic distance. I'm going to train. I think I'm going to train for a 70.3, which is a half Ironman. I would love to do a half Ironman at the end of next summer or next fall. But the first one I'm going to do is an Olympic distance triathlon. Because that is, I think... I have to look up the distances again, but I think it's like a 0.9 mile swim. It's a 20 some mile bike and then it's a 10K. 
And I biked 12 and a half miles this morning, having never biked before. So I'm like, I can do the 20 miles on the bike. I can do train for the 10K. And if you give me like nine months, I'm sure I can do a 0.9 mile swim. So um, that seems doable already. And but because I'm giving myself like a full year, I think I want to train for a 70.3. I don't think I will ever do an Ironman because I don't, I don't know that I want to train for a marathon. And you run the marathon after biking like a hundred some miles. So I don't know if we'll ever get there. But the idea of doing a half Ironman is, I think that's where we're going. So I bought myself this road bike or my husband bought it for me. I don't know. I bought it, but I think it might be my birthday present. And I'm getting into cycling and I'm really, really excited about it. So kind of the MBA peer mentor plus this triathlon training, we're starting all of these new things. And it's really gotten me thinking about having a plan and being in a rush. And I think it's really important that we have a vision for what we want our lives to ultimately look and feel like, but we don't get too tied to the details of how that's going to happen. And that is a really big principle in manifestation is to not get attached to the how. Be open to different ways things can come to you, different ways things can happen. Because when we're too attached to a how, we actually greatly limit the way things can manifest for us. But I have really gotten to this place in my life as I've gotten older where I don't feel like I need to have everything figured out. And I definitely don't have everything figured out. I don't have everything figured out. I don't have everything planned out. I have no idea what we're doing this year, much less next year. I have no idea where I'm going to be in a year. And that's okay. Like I feel very at peace with that. And I think this ties back into just really living in the present moment and letting my sacral center guide me, my gut guide me, my intuition guide me, and really just saying yes to the things that are really pinging and are really lighting me up and seeing where that takes me. And, you know, keeping that ultimate vision in mind, making sure I'm making decisions in alignment with that, but again, not being attached to how I get there, allowing myself to change my mind, allowing myself to try new things. We're never too old to do any of that, but I think we can get to a point where we feel like we're too old. And I think 40 is a number where sometimes we feel like, even now, like 38, like it's too, I'm too old. I'm too old to pivot. I'm too old to try something new. Um, and I just, I don't believe that at all. And so I've gotten to this place where right now I have nothing planned out. Like I have no idea what my, what I'm going to be doing in October, November, December. I have no idea what my business is going to look like in January. And I think that's really exciting. Like I, I've learned to really embrace the unknown and the uncertainty. And I think to do that, you have to have a lot of trust and a lot of faith in yourself and in, you know, what's coming and what the universe is going to deliver to you. But I really am enjoying this phase of just kind of going with the flow, like going with the flow, following what lights me up, doing the things I want to do, and not um, putting any pressure on myself to show up a certain way or do certain things or um, have to be at a certain point. Because I think that's when 
we create a lot of resistance and we feel a lot of um, pressure, a lot of burnout, a lot of overwhelm is, is when we're in such a rush. Like when we say things have to happen now, like it has to happen now, it has to happen now, it has to happen now. If it's not happening now, it's never going to happen. If it's not happening now, I'm doing something wrong. And I talked about this in a previous episode, but I'm just, I know there's a perfect timing for everything and things are going to happen when they're meant to happen. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the things that light me up and I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to have faith in myself and I'm going to have faith in the universe and I'm going to surrender and I'm going to see what happens. And it's a very, very peaceful place to be. I will say that. It's an exciting place to be. It's a peaceful place to be. It feels like I'm at the beginning of something new, something big. I have no idea what it looks like, but I'm excited about it. Okay, let's dive into our last topic and we're going to bring it back to motherhood and entrepreneurship. And I want to talk about really successful women becoming moms because I've noticed this quite often. It seems like women who are very, very successful in a corporate job or in entrepreneurship tend to have a harder time in the transition into motherhood. And a lot of times they'll say, I just, I didn't think my life was going to change that much. You know, I've heard that. Like, I didn't think my life was going to change that much. So if you are a woman who has not yet had kids and you someday want to have kids and you are very driven and ambitious and you're successful, I'm going to tell you right now, your entire life is going to change. <laughs> like, your whole life changes when you have children. It is one of the most, if not the most challenging phase of your life, going from not being a mom to being a mom. And I've gone through it, so I can say that. It changes everything. And I think that there is a reason that women who are super, super successful have a really hard time with this transition. And it's because they're used to being in control. They're used to being successful. They're used to probably having full control over their time, over their space. They have a certain way they like to do things. They have a certain way they like to show up. And when you have a baby, all of that gets thrown out the window. Like, all of it. You no longer have control over your time. You no longer have control over a lot of your emotions. You no longer have control of a lot of things. And there is someone else running the show. And that was something that was really, really hard for me. And I think when you go from being so in control of your time and your success and how you show up and when you show up and you have routines and you have all these things in place to then go from that to pretty much like the complete opposite of that, it's going to be hard. Your relationship is going to change with your significant other. That was probably the hardest phase in my relationship with my husband was the months after we had our children because it's such a huge transition and you're figuring out 
how to parent yourself. You're figuring out how to parent together. You might have different ideas of what it looks like to parent. You are exhausted. You're sleep deprived. There is something, a baby that is crying and constantly needs you and you have no time for each other really. And it's just, it's a really, really challenging time. But I think sometimes when we're really, really successful, we think, oh, like I can handle that. And you can handle it. We all can handle it. We do. We handle it. But I think that women who are really, really successful tend to downplay or not take into consideration as much how much their lives are going to change. And because they downplay it or they don't take it into consideration, they don't prepare for it. So a couple things I would do. If you are a very like career-driven woman, you're a successful entrepreneur, and you haven't had kids yet, and you know you want kids someday, some things that I would do leading up to like actually like delivering a baby and becoming a mom is I would make sure you give yourself, you would you set up your business to give yourself plenty of time off after you have your baby. Because especially if you're a solopreneur or you like you're the main person in your business who shows up and does all the things and creates the content and you're all you wear all the hats you are not going to have much time, really, to do all of that. And so if you don't set yourself up prior to having the baby, you're going to feel very, very overwhelmed. And that can be such a beautiful time in your life when you have a newborn and you're going through all these changes. Again, it's so challenging. But if you give yourself time and space and you don't put pressure on yourself to continue to show up in the same way that you used to, I think you're going to save yourself a lot of struggle because you can't show up the way you used to. I will say that to you right now. Once you have a child, you cannot show up the way you used to. Even if you have a lot of help, you still aren't going to be able to show up the way you used to because There's something else. There's someone else that is now running the show for you. And that is your baby. So you're not going to be able to show up the way that you used to show up. So the first thing I would do is I would plan for an ex like some time off. And I'm not talking about like a week. I would plan for like a maternity leave, like a month, two months, three months of time where your focus is learning how to be a mom, is to like get through like the hardest transition, the hardest phase, the hardest challenge. I would plan for that. Like give yourself time and space. If you can delegate, delegate. Ask for help. Get systems put into place. And I would not plan ahead of time for anything big in those first like few months. That doesn't mean you can't do something big. It just means that you're not obligated to do something big. So I wouldn't plan for something before you have the baby thinking that like, oh, by this time I'll probably feel this way because you have no idea how you're going to feel. 
after you have your baby, if it's been a month or like six weeks and you're like, you know what? I'm feeling really good. Like I want to launch this thing or I want to do this. I want to do that. Like in that moment, you're making that decision based on how you feel in that moment. I think that is perfect. But I wouldn't plan ahead for something in those first few months, assuming that by a certain point, you're going to feel a certain way because you just don't know how you're going to feel. You can think you're going to be a certain way as a mom. You you can think you're going to feel a certain way, but it's not guaranteed. It is not. Nothing is guaranteed. You might feel completely different. You might struggle with things you were never even aware of prior to becoming a mom. And so it's, it's so, I think it's so key to give yourself that time and space for that adjustment. Do everything you can prior to having your little one to give yourself ample time and space for that adjustment. And then on the flip side of it, you can decide. Like when you're actually in it, you can say, hey, you know what? I actually feel really good. I'm excited about doing my work. It gives me something to look forward to. I want to show up. Like I want to do these things. And that is coming from a place of overflow and desire and passion versus a place of obligation and pressure. So to wrap this up, ladies who are very driven, successful, ambitious, entrepreneurs, or career-oriented women who have not had babies yet, if you are listening, I'm speaking to you right now, and you want to have a baby, the first thing I want you to know is no matter how successful you are or your business is, your life is going to completely change when you have a child. You will no longer be in control. There is someone else that is in control of your time. And so, yes, your life is going to change. It's going to change big time. You're going to go through the hardest transition that you've ever gone through, the most challenging transition you've ever gone through, the most beautiful transition you've ever gone through. I mean, it is such a beautiful time, but it is hard. It is very hard. And everything's changing. Your body is changing, your hormones are changing, your emotions are changing, your relationships changing with your significant other, your relationship with yourself is changing, your time that you have is changing every single day, the amount of control you have is changing, like everything changes. So yes, your entire life is going to change. Knowing that, I would give yourself ample time on the other side of having a baby. I would, even if you're an entrepreneur, if you can do this, I would set up, I would delegate, I would plan, I would systemize, systematize, whatever that word is, as much as you possibly can. And I would give yourself as much time as you can after having the baby before you really like jump back into things to see how you feel, to see how you're doing, so that you don't feel that pressure of having to do something. And you allow yourself to just like smoothly transition into this new phase as smoothly as you possibly can. Because what I see, especially with women who are entrepreneurs, is they jump right back into work. Because there's no like set maternity leave when you work for yourself. <laughs> there's there's no one saying you can take 
eight weeks off or six weeks off or 12 weeks off, it's like, okay, this is my business and my business is me for the most part. And now I'm having a baby and everything's going to change. And how, how much time am I supposed to take off? I would give yourself as much time as you possibly can. As much time as you possibly can and just see how you feel. But plan for a maternity leave. Put things in place so you can enjoy a maternity leave. And then just see how you feel. So that's my advice to you. And that's where we're going to end this. We are at 54 minutes. I hope you guys enjoyed this. We talked about a lot of different things. It was a hodgepodge of an episode today. But hopefully you had some laughs. Hopefully you were inspired. Hopefully you had some good takeaways. And if anything resonated with you, please reach out on Instagram. I love chatting with you guys. That's where we can talk. My handle is just Lauren underscore Francois. You can find it in the show notes. And that is what we've got. So I will talk to you at our next episode. Bye. Okay, you wealthy woman, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends, and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple, but I didn't know how to do it at the beginning either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, find this show, The Wealthy Woman, scroll down, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I'd love you so much for taking the time to do this. In all honesty, the reviews are what help the podcast get into the hands of other women desiring to create true wealth and manifest their dream lives. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.